You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. This week, we got the results from last year's standardized test scores for Michigan students. So what do you want first, the good news or the bad news? The M-STEP exam results showed some gains in social studies and math, but fewer students were proficient in English language arts than last year. And students continue to struggle mightily with science. Another thing that caught our attention were results from the SAT portion of the test. The top three performers were all schools using the International Baccalaureate Curriculum, International Academy in Bloomfield, International Academy of Macomb County, and Washtenaw International High School. But it was also interesting which schools were not among the top 10 for SAT scores. Some of the wealthiest districts in Michigan weren't represented. Do these scores hold any clues to what's working and what's not working in Michigan? In a little bit, we'll talk with an education reporter and an expert about this. But first, we'd like to welcome State Superintendent Brian Whiston to the program to talk about these numbers. Brian, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So if you're a parent in Michigan, as I am, what would you have me take away from these numbers, from these scores? Well, like you said, we did good in 5th, 8th, and 11th social studies. Math across the board showed improvement. 11th grade science, English language, 5th grade showed improvement. ACT scores are up across the board, not only for total scores, but for reading and math. So that's the positive news. But the disappointing news, as you mentioned, is that the ELA scores across the board are down. Now, we did reset the bar a couple years, two years ago, and we have a lot of things in process to, to improve those scores, including $20 million that we're in the process of handling, handing out to schools to increase instruction time for students who need additional instruction in ELA. We're also working with the ISD and literacy coaches and some professional development and aligning the curriculum with districts. So, We've got some good things that we're doing to help improve the scores, but we have to be candid. These are disappointing scores for ELA, and we have to stay on top of that, but we also have to celebrate the good news in social studies, math, and the ACT scores. So we have changed the way that we measure our schools here in Michigan a couple times recently. The M-STEP is still fairly new, and the scoring of the M-STEP, I think, uh, also has has changed recently. Is this just a matter of us being patient with the new system and waiting for schools to kind of catch up to the way that that they're being they're being assessed, uh, or do we do we have deep issues in the way that we are teaching our kids in Michigan? Well, I, I would say that you know we did. Uh, p- People used to take these tests, paper and pencil, and now 98% of the kids are taking the test online. Mm-hmm. And that is a change and a difference. I mean, you have, you know, third, fourth, fifth graders answering questions on a computer that is an adaptive test is a more difficult test and, and does change the dynamics from a paper and pencil test. So sure. it does take some time to make that adjustment. So we have to be cognizant of that. But... Secondly, we can't be satisfied with just what we're doing. We have to continue to work hard on on the literacy coaches, on the professional development, on adding additional instruction time for students who need it. 
Um, and we really do need to change what's taking place in a lot of our classrooms. As part of our top 10 and 10 plan, we call for deeper learning in the classroom, and that is we want, you know, competency-based education as an option. You know, uh, a lot of districts are doing these things that are like 30, 70, 30 percent of the time is spent on competency-based, 70 percent of the time is spent on projects. Uh, so we do need the deeper learning taking place in our classroom. So we can't be satisfied. Uh, so I guess it's a, an answer that's probably in combination of sort of both two. and, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, things working, but we can't be satisfied. Yeah. So so I also want to ask about how we are comparing to other states. We continue to slip down that ladder. And recently I saw something about our fourth grade reading scores, for instance, in the state of Michigan being among the worst in the nation. That wasn't true five or 10 years ago, certainly wasn't true 20 or 25 years ago. Are we not moving fast enough? Are we not investing enough in moving forward? That seems to sort of cry out for some real attention. Yeah. Uh, well, it does, and that's the K-3 reading stuff that the legislature has focused on over the last couple of years, and in addition to that, the early learning, the preschool stuff that we've instituted. But all of this has just been put in place over the last year or two, so I think we have to have some sort, some patience to let the things and changes we've taken and put in place work, but at the same time continue to look at the data and continue to focus on uh, that deeper learning in the classroom. So we have to have some patience here, but we also have to have uh, a combination of that patience and a combination of pushing harder to change what's happening in our classrooms. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Brian Whiston. He is the state superintendent of schools here in Michigan. We are talking about recent test score results on the M-STEP, also the SAT portion of the M-STEP. What does it tell us about Michigan? What does it tell us about our kids and their performance in our schools here in Michigan? Uh, Brian, I want to talk some now about that SAT portion of the test. I was really interested in the list, the top 10 list uh, of SAT scores. Uh, there were a couple things that jumped out at me. One is the the very strong performance of these international academies, these schools that are using uh, international baccalaureate curricula, um, but also the absence of some of the really wealthy school districts that I would expect to have seen on the list. They weren't there. Um, talk about what, what this list tells you about what's going on in Michigan. Well, I think the IB baccalaureate program is an outstanding program, and we have encouraged, as, as we look at options for schools, to change what's taking place. We've, that's one of the options we've certainly discussed with schools that they need to look at. It is a great program, and I think the results demonstrate that, not only on this exam, but on international exams that, that are taken and compared. So I think it is a good program, good curriculum, and does prepare students for success. In terms of why some districts we would expect to see on the list aren't there, I'd have to look at their individual data and, and, and you know, really understand why mm -hmm. uh, they're not. But, uh, you know, this the, the issue is a single test on a single day is an important measure. But it doesn't but tell that, you everything. It can't. But it doesn't tell us everything. And that's why we're moving forward under this uh, the new the, the testing vision of having a benchmark-type assessment given 
at the beginning of the school year, optional in January, and then at the end, and that's going to give us growth. So did I enter third grade, and where did I start, and where did I leave? So did I get a year's or more worth of growth? And then the M-step will continue to be given, but we're going to shorten it a little, uh, and that will still give us the proficiency numbers, our kids proficient on the topics that they need to be proficient on. So I think the combination of this uh, of that vision will give us better information, and it won't be just a single test uh, over a, a couple of days that that we're going to grade students on. Yeah. Um, I also want to ask you about the consequences that are in the pipeline for schools that don't perform on these tests. Uh, the legislature has got this new law that requires schools to hold back third graders who aren't up to grade level on the M-step. First, I want to get your reaction to the idea that that's going to that's going to happen, and what you think schools ought to be sort of preparing for with that. But I also want to get you to talk a little about that approach and whether it makes sense given the things that we're seeing, the struggles that we're seeing in in Michigan schools. Well, I, I do think that uh, holding students back ought to be an individual decision made between parents and educators based on how that individual student is performing. Uh, I don't support the law that says that any student who doesn't meet this bar has to be held back. As a local superintendent, I literally had some students who were in Harvard and Yale that wouldn't have been there because they would have been held back at the third, if the third grade law had been put in place. And I would argue that even though Dearborn was a great school district, I'd rather have the kids in Harvard and Yale than held back a year. <laughs> right, right. So, I, you, you know, boys develop at a little slower pace. Uh, you know, every student develops at a different pace. And I think it's important to have a kind of a, a measuring stick to say at third grade you want kids to be reading on grade level. But I tried to push some alternatives like, parent contracts. If we're not on grade level, then let's get a contract with parents to say, this is what the school's going to do to improve, to get the student on grade level, and this is what we need the parents to do. And if we don't live up to this contract, then your student could be held back in the third or fourth grade, because, uh, you know, then, then it's important. But to just say every student who doesn't meet this measure uh, needs to be held back, I don't think is an appropriate measure. On the other hand, as a local superintendent, I never could understand how some of my kids were getting to high school reading at the <laughs> third, fourth, or fifth grade level. Right. That's not acceptable either. Right. Uh, uh, I also want to ask you a, a, a bigger question about the relationship between the legislature and schools, between the governor and schools, between your department and schools. Go governance is... A, 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 an issue here in Michigan, I think, and it looks different here than it does in many other states in the sense that we have this independent MDE uh, that that has its own elected board that doesn't report to the governor. And, we, you know, we still have a legislature and a governor who also want to make policy and and deal with funding decisions, obviously, about our schools. Does that work? And should we be thinking about a different way, a, a more sort of cooperative governance model at the top in Michigan? I do think, you know, we need to look at the governance model from top to bottom in schools. You know, where local school boards work, they work and they work well. But where they don't work, they don't work. And kids are suffering because of it. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the role of the Michigan Department of Education, 
we're here to provide assistance and support, and we can use kind of the bully pulpit, if you want to call it that, to call attention to issues, but we can't force districts to change or to do things unless they are on, you know, the, the poor performing list. Then we have more say on what to do with those school districts, but in a sense, that's too late. You know, that's that's when the house is on fire. Then you say, oh, we got to do something about it. Well, sure. we need to do something about it sooner. So I've encouraged the governor and the legislature, who I do have good relationships with both, to do an early warning list of school districts that we would identify districts that if they don't turn around, kind of like the financial early warning that worked very is working very well in the state that the legislature passed, do the similar early warning for academics, graduation rates, and a few other things so that we can help school districts sooner before they're failing. And then, you know, if districts are in the bottom performing, then we want to engage in the partnership model with them, which means the local district still owns the problem, but the department is having serious conversations and has some authority to force the districts to take on some of these problems and also brings other partners, colleges, universities, businesses, nonprofits to the table and say, this building needs to adopt whatever it is, these five goals to turn it around. And we want the business community and the nonprofits and colleges and universities to take on one of those goals in partnership with the local district to shine that light on the problem and to really to create a community around solving the problem and then holding the district accountable over an 18 and 36 month time period to see improvement or the next level of accountability would take place, which could be closure and reconstitution of the school and or the ISD playing a more significant role in that school. So we do have a vision that, that we're moving forward with to, to help early warning districts and low performing schools. But we gotta, we, but the good point you raise is, is this governance model the right governance model to move Michigan forward? Yeah. And I think that needs a good public debate because on one hand, I do believe in local control and do believe that when local control works, it works, but it often doesn't work. And then what's the alternative where it doesn't work? Yeah. And so I, I do think we need to have an honest conversation about how school governance works in the state if we want to become a top 10 state. Okay, Brian Whiston, Superintendent of Schools here in Michigan. Thanks very much for being with us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Up next, we are going to catch up with Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter with Bridge Magazine, who joins us frequently to talk about education subjects. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking about a recent report of the schools in Michigan with the best SAT scores, who's on the list, and why SAT scores don't happen, of course, in a vacuum, and they don't tell the story of a child's life in the education system. What are the test scores telling us about generations to come? Our statewide standardized tests in kindergarten through eighth grade paint a picture of an education system that is worth being concerned about. Joining me now to continue this conversation is Chastity Pratt-Dossie, a reporter with Bridge Magazine. Chastity, welcome back to Detroit Today. 
Hello, Detroit. <laughs> and Brian Gutman is Director of Public Engagement at the Education Trust Midwest. Brian, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah. So, uh, Brian, I want to start with you talking about the declines in literacy and math that we see from these MSTEP results. They are pronounced among African-American students. That's not new. It's not surprising, but it is a point of worry, I think, that continues here in the state. What what should we be drawing out of what we have seen most recently? Well, when we take a look across the board, we see, as you mentioned, especially in literacy, some really troubling declines. We see uh, low proficiency rates in both English language arts and math, and especially for groups of students, African-American students, certainly among them. Uh, So, for example, in third grade literacy, about 44% of all Michigan students are considered uh, at grade level at the end of third grade, Mm -hmm. but only one in five African-American students is. And African-American students in the last three years have dropped three and a half percent in that measure. Yeah. This should give us pause for lots of reasons. They're going the wrong direction. In addition to being quite low, it's just not happening in terms of the improvement, Chastity Pratt Dossie, of course, a lot of that has to do with the state's largest school district and most heavily African American school district, Detroit. Absolutely. Um, but you know what? When I look at this, the question that comes to mind is okay, we know that our students are doing badly, but what is the state going to do about it? What is this new superintendent in Detroit? going to do about it. If the scores are getting worse, does that speak to governance like you were discussing with Brian Winston just a minute? Or or does it speak to what's actually happening in the classrooms? Mm-hmm. Is there a need for an alignment with Common Core? Is Common Core helping or hurting? I mean, these are conversations that need to be had. School conversations about test scores need to come down to the school level and really the nuts and bolts of what's going on in these classrooms. What's going on in the IB classrooms that's not happening over at, um, you know, Cody High School in Detroit? Really, the nuts and bolts of what is being taught, what is being learned, what is being focused on, because we are going in the wrong direction and we're already at the bottom of the pile. The state of Michigan is already at the bottom of the pile. Right. Uh Brian, uh, talk about these IB schools and the, the, the scores that we see. It's a good thing that they're doing as well as they are. I'm not sure that they're a great model, though, for other schools. I mean, th- those are not schools that just have to take in all the kids who happen to live in a certain area. They get to, they get to pick. Uh, and that curriculum might not be best for everyone. And so it's sure. sort of dangerous, I guess, to to make too much of that. that. That's that's right. Listen, there are IB schools at the top of the list. They're doing great things for the students within them. There are a lot of other schools on the list. I think some of them are from the school districts that you would expect them mm-hmm. to be from. Mm-hmm. There are also a couple of schools that are on the list Saginaw that are not. Saginaw had a school. Saginaw, yes. So um, Saginaw Arts and Science Academy, which is about one-third African-American and mm-hmm. about one-third low-income, is near the top of the list. There mm-hmm. you've got about 85% of students that are considered career and college ready. I really think that those are the schools that we need to be taking a look at. They're not the only one. I'd also point to uh, City Middle High School in Grand Rapids, um, where which has about a quarter percent of its population Latino and about a third low income, hmm. and say, what's going on in those schools that's working so well, um, especially considering that their demographics are... are um, 
more representative of other parts of the state. Right, right. Uh, I think the interesting ahead, thing, though, with that list is you don't see any typical neighborhood comprehensive schools on that list other than the one that I think is really interesting, which is Skyline in Ann Arbor. It's, an, it's a neighborhood school, but it does come from Ann Arbor. You know, well money, you know, district that's been doing well for generations. It's over on that west side of Ann Arbor that I think is doing pretty well these days. Too, right, right? And, and the thing that interested me about that school is half of the kids are free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Th- that begs the question of, okay, what are they doing in Ann Arbor with that population of school and reduced lunch, uh, free and reduced lunch children, children um, from lower economic standing, and they're still getting uh, higher scores. But the other schools are, I mean, you're talking about charter schools and IB schools that are sort of special. They're not your regular neighborhood schools. And that's where we're having our problems, obviously. Our, our typical neighborhood comprehensive high schools are not on this list, not from uh, Gross Point, not from Birmingham, not yeah. from Bluefield Hills. So what's, what's the difference? It, it's got to be an instructional conversation about instruction in the classroom. Yeah. Uh, Chastity, what about that question I was discussing with the superintendent about governance and governance at the state level? It, it seems like we can't get a conversation really started about changing that here, even as our scores comparatively to other states keep going the wrong direction. I mean, we're getting worse and worse in terms of performance. Stephen, how many times have we had this conversation, Mm -hmm. right? It's almost as if um, Lansing, um, you know, everyone's concerned about their own fiefdoms and not the entire state, you know. The west side is concerned about the west side, and Mm -hmm. the southeast side is concerned about the southeast side of Michigan. There's not been a comprehensive conversation in Lansing about, you know, raising all ships, doing something that's going to increase the educational standing of the entire state. That conversation hasn't happened because there's, you know, there's not even a general consensus or understanding in Lansing of just how badly the entire state is performing. You have to first know what the problem is to solve it, and Lansing has not um, come to a consensus on how badly our students are performing. Yeah. Uh, Brian Gutman, uh, what about this reliance on tests as the measure? And are, are, we, are we over-relying on tests in Michigan, or are we moving to a space where we're doing that a little more like other states? Well, tests are one measure. They are an important measure. And I think one thing that's really important to point out, especially about the M-STEP, is that this test really does align to our academic expectations. That's really important to have. It right. is a rigorous measure, mm-hmm. and it it should be a rigorous measure. We want to understand how well our kids are doing. And as the superintendent said, it's also adaptive, Yes, which I think is important. In other mm-hmm. words, the better you do, the harder it gets while you're yes. taking it, which I think is another it's just another sort of important dynamic. It is, and it's a, it's a change from what we've done in the past, uh, but it does give us really rich data uh, to understand uh, how our students are doing at the end of the year against mm-hmm. what we expect them to do. That's not to say that all tests are created equal. <laughs> um, I, I would point out that the M-STEP in grades three through eight, which is the state standardized test, is the one state standardized test that the vast majority of Michigan students take. In high school, 11th graders take the SAT for uh, for several subjects and the M-STEP and a couple of others. That's the one state standardized test that they're taking. That's not to say that students aren't taking other tests throughout the school year. Of course they are. Those are happening at a classroom level, at a school level, at a district level. We recently saw Detroit say, enough, 
we're over testing and we're going to cut back. And that's exactly what school districts should be doing, taking a look at the whole scope of what's going on to address these over testing concerns. But I think one point that Chastity hit on that's really important Mm -hmm. is that there isn't this great understanding of just how poorly we're doing across the state. This is not a Detroit problem. This is a statewide problem. And changing the test, which has been proposed, or tweaking the test or shortening the test, however you want to describe it, it, right. it, it is a different test. Um, changing the test again is not going to help us. We can we can stop looking at the data, but that doesn't make the data better. Right. Uh, moving to a system where we really don't have robust accountability that prioritizes importance that's not going to help anyone either. Okay. Chastity Pratt-Dossie, reporter with Bridge Magazine. Brian Gutman, Director of Public Engagement at the Education Trust Midwest. Both of you, thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Anytime. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. Remember, if you would like to sign up to receive email updates from Detroit Today, and keep in contact with us. Contact us at WDET. See you tomorrow.